0: Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com. So you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau.
1: Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Glory to God. It's so blessed to be here with you today. Many people in this world are hurting today, right now. So many people often find themselves in situations where they literally have nowhere to go. They could be escaping domestic violence. They could be facing a family crisis, finding themselves homeless. They could be overcoming a drug addiction or coping with literally any type of situation that causes vulnerability and uncertainty in their lives. Even fleeing a war-torn nation and leaving everything behind. Sherry Briggs was in that situation. She was a single mom trying to care for her son, Nathan. She was not seeking advice or well wishes from people. She was seeking the necessities, furniture, pots and pans, things like that to help give her son the best she could possibly do. When she received these things through people who cared, she received strength and encouragement and realized there was a God of hope that saw her and her son and was going to provide for them. That part of Sherry's story is the foundation of what now has become Bridge of Hope in San Diego, California. She founded this organization to help embattled women to recover from domestic violence situations, and it has grown way beyond that stage now. Amen. Sherry is also the author of a great book, Relentless Pursuit, God's Gentle Guidance Amidst the Storm. Help me welcome to the program Sherry Briggs. Sherry, it is so good to have you on the program. I appreciate your time joining us today.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.
1: The first question I always start with is this other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Sherry Briggs?
2: Oh, thank you very much. Well, I am a passionate follower of Jesus, I'm a mother, I'm a wife, and I am just live every day really with the hope of just a deeper intimacy with the Father. And that's really my whole. Existence because he rescued me, he gave me his life, he blessed me with a beautiful future, um, in my family and in the, in the organization. So, who I am is a follower of Christ, first and foremost, and um. I just seek to do his will every day. I mean, um, I love my community. I love what God has blessed us with at Bridge of Hope. The nations have gathered um, in City Heights, San Diego from all over the world and people who are um, hungry um, for not only food, but for Jesus. So I'm so blessed to be a part of that and I find that's really my passion and and who I am and what makes me um, alive, honestly, and want to keep living. <laughs>
1: amen, amen. Now, yes. I want to start with your book, Relentless yes. Pursuit: God's Gentle mm-hmm. Guidance in Misses Storm, because this was just released in November of 2022, yeah. and it basically will bring us up to date on your life story okay. before we get into your your bridge of hope. Okay, uh, yes. Why did you write this book? And why did you do it at this point in time?
2: Well, I wrote the book um, because I really felt like God had told me to write this book, that I would, what kept coming to me is those scriptures, tell of my mighty wonders, tell of my mighty wonders. A lot like you, you know, we've experienced radical encounters with God, miraculous moments. He saved me. He saved my family through a car accidents. He's delivered me from a cult growing up in a cult and a very abusive home. I mean, God has really been true to who his name is and his word is. And so he really had put it on my heart years ago to write this book. Honestly, I wanted to just write about the glory and the, the miraculous um, provisions that um, and miracles I get to see every day at Bridge. I just wanted to focus on that. But the Lord had really drawn me in um, after my son passed away um, seven years ago in a diving accident to tell the whole story, starting at the very beginning of who I am, the family I was raised in and uh the the just the journey and how that was such a set up into um him inviting me into this ministry um that he really birthed it was his vision and his calling he just invited me in but that was really the whole thing is this to encourage people to believe god that he is he is actively in inviting oh, us yeah. in to join Amen. him on this adventure to change the world. So yeah. that's and why I wrote the book. And yeah. And,
1: and in the beginning of your book, you describe your childhood life of basically living in fear. I mean, your dad yes. was an alcoholic. Yes. Mine as well. I can relate. Uh, okay. Uh, share with us a little bit of your upbringing.
2: Yeah. So my dad was very abusive, alcoholic, and um, my mother was extremely what we call codependent, fearful. We, We lived in fear every day of what the night would bring with my dad. My dad was very physically abusive, emotionally, mentally. And then at the same time, my mother got involved in a cult. In um, when I was four years old, called Church of the Living Word. It was founded by John Robert Stevens, um, who uh, started his own church after being uh, kicked or released out of an Assemblies of God. And it was uh, what they call—you know—he took the Bible and it was completely twisted, and fear and manipulation were at its core to control the people. And so I was raised in not just only the craziness of an alcoholic home, but this abusive. Um, Twisting of the word and, and 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 John Robert Stevens basically being Jesus to the congregation, um, and so it was a very it, like fear was at the core I'd say of every situation I was raised in, completely opposite of what you you know freedom, love, grace of Jesus Christ. So being that I was there until I was nineteen years old, I just wow. had this really. Twisted understanding of who God was, but I always wanted and knew I loved Him. I I really feel like God's hand was on me that whole time, obviously. And He did reveal Himself to me when I was 17, but I still had just a a twisted understanding of who the Father was because of that. Yeah.
1: Amen. Amen. And, And how did that affect you growing up, being involved in that cult with the abuse at home and all that? How, how? Not just the physical abuse, the emotional abuse, mm-hmm. but I mean, how, what was your outlook on life at that
2: point? Well, that point? it's very confusing because we were the chosen people being in the cult. We were the chosen ones. We were under the, we were the ones that were very special to be under the teaching of the prophet. We were the enlightened ones, yet we couldn't bond or have relationships with the people outside. We couldn't celebrate holidays. We weren't supposed to. Um, thank God I had a grandmother who believed differently. Um, but we, we didn't, we weren't able to, we we were in the world, right? We had to keep living in the world, but we were separated out. And so it was a hard very confusing for me, as far as my identity and who I was as a, a person in this world, um, I was very controlled by the, the the church and wanting to please the prophet in my behavior and my conduct and 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 so it was just a, a very very confusing um also set me up for some really bad choices later on as far as you know relationships and things like that but um yeah, it was just I think I was confused I hit a real identity crisis in my teen years and um didn't know who I was and who God was. Um, and so it was very scary and I was very I was lost. Yeah, yeah. Yes.
1: I mean, I mean how did you escape? At what point were you able to escape that mm-hmm. whole mess?
2: Well, this is a that I write about that in my um, my book, but the, basically what happened was I had a born again experience at 17. I was super broken and God had I believe had allowed this deep deep Brokenness to drive me uh, to him. Thank God I was driven to him because I did have an encounter with the Lord. When I was 17, I had a full born again experience in the word, in the book of Galatians. God opened my eyes and I saw what Jesus did for me on the cross. Then I had come back full of fire. I was away out of state. I came back full of fire and the Holy Spirit and thought I could heal the sick, raise the dead. I mean, I met Jesus, right? Amen. Amen. And I was so full of like fire and the church leaders pulled me aside and told me to be quiet and that I had nothing to offer. And in submission to them as unto the Lord, as what we were told you submit to your authority as unto God. I silenced myself, but, but nobody can take away your testimony, right? Nobody can take that away. So I knew, I knew, but I was still wonky wonky, right? Because of the control. And then when uh, a year later the founder John Robert Stevens died and the whole church was called into a 20 no 72 hour prayer vigil from all over the country people came together to pray and at that point what I what I the lights came on for me and about a third of the church was when they were praying for John Robert Stevens to be raised from the dead because he was the Christ. Mm-hmm. When I heard those words that they believed John Robert Stevens was Jesus Christ, the veil came off, and thank God my brother and my mother were in the same camp as me, and um we we, we that was it, and that was a terrible stripping away because we we were definitely afraid of of ever pulling away from this church because we were now considered the Nephilim spirits, right? The antichrist, basically the thing that we never wanted to be by rebelling. But not only that, all the relationships and friendships that we'd had our whole life, the only ones we'd been able to have, we were now leaving. And it was starting over, not knowing if anything I'd ever known other than that encounter with Jesus at 17 was true. I I didn't know. So that's where I started.
1: yeah, what age were you when this happened? I
2: was 19.
1: Two years later. Yeah.
2: Amen. Well, just almost 19, not quite, not yeah. quite. Yeah. Amen. So it was a radical Amen. starting over and um and just being like lost, but knowing deep in my spirit, we were where God wanted us, and that this, this was we were out. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Let's let's take take us back
1: to 1989 or so. Okay. Can you share with us what was going on in your life at that time?
2: In 1989, so my son Nate was born in 88. Boy, you've done your homework, <laughs> <I> <laughs> my <try>. son. Yeah, <laughs> well, I was a single mother at uh, my son Nathan was born in 198 in 1988, and his life, his birth was really what brought me full back to Jesus to full surrender to walk with him. Um, because I knew I didn't want to repeat any generational madness and I was mm, capable baby. of that. And I knew the only way my son could have a life and a real life was for me to step in fully to Jesus. And during that time, you know, I'm like, okay, God, I'm trusting you for everything you know, I need I'm a waitress, I'm waiting on tables, I I, you know, I'm gonna tithe, I'm gonna surrender to you. But I need need A bed, I, I, I need. I need these practical things. I'm, I'm leaning into him for right, just to be able to make it and survive. And as the Lord began to provide these practical things that we needed, I kind of look at it like the cross. You know, He's the way, the truth, and the life, and it intersects with the, the with the practical. He fed the Amen. five thousand. He didn't walk away and say, "Be warm, be filled." He, he got into the practical, um, workings of what people need. Right, food. Amen. And so the Lord um, began to imprint that on my mind because he began to provide these basic things through people. And I recognize, you know, I don't need people to tell me something. Hey, I hope that works out. Or you made your bed now. You're going to have to sleep in it and figure it out. or Or, you know, I'll pray for you. It's like when God provided a bed through a person, I saw it was him. And when he provided some things I knew, I was like, oh, God, you see me, you know me, you love me. And that was really the beginning of this intimacy I had with God, where I was like, you love me and you are my father and you're taking care of me. And so that was the beginning, really, of this intimacy that was the, you know, my heart with his and trusting him. And that really was what imprinted in my mind, which became a vision or what God, how God meets his people and, 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 and something that he was going to be inviting me into in the years to come is how he provides and is intimately acquainted with the needs of his people. He's not a distant God. Yeah.
1: Amen. Amen. So at that time, where did you turn to let it be known you need these things or find the resources (laughs) that you needed?
2: Well, it's interesting because I, God had led me to a church. He'd put on my heart, I okay, hey, if I'm going to start this journey with you, I'm going to, where do I go? And he'd put a church, uh, uh, the name of a church in my mind, a uh, vineyard church. I looked it up in the white pages. remember those? And mm-hmm. I saw vineyard and I went and it was just his leading me, he put me in a with people that were caring. And, um, and so I began to share my story. They'd asked me who I was. Oh, I want, I have a bed for you or I this or that. Like people just begin to jump in and be the hands and feet of Jesus, yeah, right? At this church. And so that's really, those are the people. It was the body of Christ getting actively involved and being, you know, caring, you know, stopping what they were doing to help this, this mom, <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> you know, and it was so important for me to see that and understand. That's really the body ministry, and those are the—that's yeah. how Jesus works, right? He invites yeah. us in. You know, it's he—he he uses people, yeah. Right? I mean, Amen. he could just yeah. rain down manna, right? He yep. does—he know yep, he does that, right? Yeah. But he actually wants to get his people involved in the workings of what he's doing in people's lives. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen.
1: So. You end up working your way out of that mess and into helping others manage their messes and (laughs) achieve their breakthroughs. Can you share how you were sparked or what sparked you into deciding to become involved in in what has now become Bridge of Hope San Diego?
2: Yes, I will. And I have a story like yours. I mean, my family and I were in a, well, I remarried. I have, we had his, mine, and ours. I had, he had two boys. I had my niece and we have two girls together. We got into some ministry in Oregon, um working with families that were in recovery and loved it, but we got in a huge car crash in 1999 where uh my family and I were all thrown out onto the highway all but one. Oh my. Um my yeah, my 2-year-old, my 11-year-old, my 5-year-old, my 15-year-old was in the van and my husband was underneath the van Mm. and i was on the side of the highway with my babies all next to me uh like ducks in a row we'd been going like 60 miles an hour down a mountain pass and a man pulled over a double yellow line we hit we flew and we were out on the highway what happened in my spirit as a result of that moment and that crash was the biggest probably miracle besides the fact that all of us lived We all survived. My children were actually released from the hospital that night with no injuries after flying. It's a crazy miracle story. It's in the book. But what happened in my spirit was the spirit of the living God rose up in me in that moment as I'm sitting on the highway with my kids next to me. I'm looking out at the lake. My I see the van. My I don't know where my husband is. The first thing that came out of my mouth is no weapon formed against me will prosper. And all of a sudden, intercession started pouring out in from my mouth. It wasn't me. It was Jesus, the Jesus in me, the one that cannot be shaken was not shaken. It was the biggest miracle I've ever experienced in me where I even realized in that moment as my body's broken, my legs are bloodied. I'm like, but I'm in the whole, I'm in the Holy Ghost. The the angelic hosts were there with me. It was so obvious. Christians were coming out of their cars and kneeling next to me and praying over me. It was like a setup, you know, and, um, I just remembered at that, that moment in the day of trouble and the day, whatever that day of trouble is, even in the time and in times, this is what it feels like Jesus in you, what you have in you will not be shaken. And so yeah. for us after that long story, it's on the book. We all, we did recover. My husband was beaten up badly, brain injury, the whole nine mm-hmm. broke every bone in his face and all throughout his body. I broke bones, but we were like, my children were fine. I mean, like, okay, but we were like, What do you want us to do? Yeah, we are. I mean, we were now our faith had been catapulted much like you. You know, you're like, whoa, God, like, you you know, what? Okay, I got a glimpse of the heavenly, the things that I do not want me me to
1: do, God, who is it? Send me,
2: send me. Amen, amen, because we've got more of a glimpse of the unseen world than the seen world at that moment. We're like, we're going. So we ended up opening a woman's home at that point, and there's beautiful stories about that, but that was the beginning of this vision unfolding about Bridge of Hope, and God began to give me journal like middle of the night i'd be journaling and writing and seeing pictures of this beautiful place filled with things that people need and it just i just dreamed with god was writing he'd wake me up at three o'clock in the morning and i just that's how it really began until years later i had i never shared anything with anybody though because i feel like people can be kind of naysayers even Mm. well-meaning brothers and sisters can be like how are you going to do that what are you going to get the money or blah 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 blah. it's like who do you think i don't know
1: Yeah. So amen. Amen. Yeah.
2: I mean, come on. We're just gonna stay in the vision, right? Jesus gives us vision. He's we're partnering with him. It's his blueprint, right? So exactly. So so I am... I just hurt. I I began to journal and write and dream with the Lord. And then I went to a prayer meeting one time years later, about three years later, and these women had a prophetic word. Well, they had a word of knowledge. The Bible talks about a word of knowledge. And they were praying over me and they didn't know anything about me or the, the dream and the vision. And they began to share in the spirit what God was showing them. We see a place filled with things that people need. We see a playground, we see food, we see a garden, we see all these things. And they were praying and crying over me. And I, I just was sitting there like, and they said, Sherry, does any of this make sense to you? And I said, oh my gosh, yes. So I went home and I said, my husband, we're going to start this thing because what are we going to do? And I go, I don't know. And then I was like, Lord, do we find the women who need the help first? Because I, originally I thought it was just women like myself. Do we find the women and then? find the stuff or do we find the stuff they need, the practical items they need, like what I shared I needed starting over and then find the women. He goes and literally the Holy spirit said, don't worry about it. And from there, God partnered me one by one, one woman with, you know, starting over after homelessness, domestic violence really was recovery was that was our heart at that point coming from an alcoholic home, right? God had really put that in my heart. And, he paired us one by one, and yeah. here we are today.
1: Amen. Amen. Yeah. When, when you were asking that question, I remember asking the Lord almost the same thing about the radio. Yeah. You know, do I do the recordings and then the radio <laughs> and find pastors? Do I find pastors who want to do it and do what I do? And his answer was, yes. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, You're like, like oh, great.
1: What? <laughs> you know? yeah. Exactly. And says, Simultaneous. Start. Just take the first step.
2: Amen,
1: and that's what Amen. it is. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. That your story is awesome. Praise the Lord. And you oh, started out of your own apartment, right?
2: Well, my garage. Yeah, I have garage, a little okay. car garage. Yeah. I how started.
1: quickly did you outgrow that space?
2: Oh, well, within a year, and then we went to the church on the corner. He, the pastor up there by my house let me stay there and rent a little room, which we had no money. So I just want to back up and say one thing: we. Uh, God had led me early, early on that I was to just stay in my word, stay in my Bible and learn the story, study the story of George Mueller, the father of orphans, who didn't ask people for things that he needed for the orphans, but believe what the word said, open my, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. That scripture just hit him. And he believed that God was telling him, you ask me and I will provide. And so he said, Sherry, that's how I want you to do this. Mm, So that's, we did, we waited on God. We, we didn't have the money. I said yes to the little church up the street, $400 a month rent. Oh my gosh. Back then that was like we don't have extra four. It was the first step, trusting God to provide. Then we quickly outgrew that. And that's when we ended up in City Heights looking for a bigger shop. We ended up in City Heights, San Diego, which is one of the largest refugee resettlement areas in the whole country. And we ended up there in a little 900 square foot shop for $575 a month, which was the biggest leap of faith you could ever imagine. And um, we did it. We took it and we've been in City Heights ever since. And it's been 18 years come February. Uh, But yeah, so it was just step by step, moment by moment and waiting on God for every penny, but not only every penny, every stitch of clothing, every piece of furniture, every bit of food. I mean, it's literally trusting God to provide and letting him do it and letting him build the house, which he has. It's been 18 years.
1: Praise the Lord. Amen. So what services do you offer to those seeking help?
2: Okay. So for families starting over with nothing, you know, we work with, we work with over 70 agencies in San Diego now that refer families to us. So they're kind of knowing who's really in need. And then also we understand our local community needs. So we, um, we, um, do about 40 families a month that are needing furniture, household items. So everything that they need to start their home over. Mm -hmm. So everything from pots and pans and towels and blankets and pillows and furniture, that's all there for those families starting over. And then we see about 1500 people, uh, 1500 people families a month that are receiving food support from us. So we have like a large, um, kind of like farmer's market style distribution. And then that's that's a lot of what we're doing right now, especially with what's going on in the world with the economy. And then our clothing closets, we see about 500 families a month in our clothing closet. Yeah. And then we do kids clubs and we do all kinds of fun things for the kids. And, um, you know, we're a community. Um, Mm -hmm. So we are a landing pad for families starting over. So we we not only do all those basic necessity things, we have lots of art and ministry time and play games and do soccer and all kinds of fun things in the community for the kids. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So God took your offer, like, use me. And he said, okay, let's go to work. Yes. yes. Amen. Hey, folks, Pastor Bob here. We're all out of time for today's portion of this inspiring interview with Sherry Briggs, founder of the Bridge of Hope San Diego. And I want to say it is always a blessing to talk with someone who has taken on such a massive undertaking as Sherry has. You can tell that God has been you, has been with her every step of the way. Amen. From her beginnings as a single, basically homeless mom, just trying to provide for her son as she's escaping a past of abuse and to founding one of the major centers to help embattled women to recover from domestic violence situations and how it has grown into so much more since then. Glory to God. I know you've been blessed by what you've heard so far. And the good news is we still have part two to go. Amen. Be sure to come back for the conclusion of this great interview with Sherry Briggs in the very next episode. But Make sure you drop down in the show notes. Click the links right there to get in touch with Sherry and her team at Bridge of Hope San Diego. Just send along a word of encouragement. And while you're there, I'd love it if every listener out there was sent along an offering of support to this great organization that's doing a very needful work in that area. Amen. It doesn't matter where you're from or what size offering you can send. God blesses all of it. Hey, man, don't show me down when I'm preaching good. You know what I'm talking about. Hey, man, just use the links down below. All right. Until next time, it's Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed
0: in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published.